Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. One of the most misunderstood and misappropriated concepts of Christianity is faith. Today, Cheryl introduces us to what faith is as we begin our look at Hebrews 11. part one of Cheryl's message titled, Not a Blind Faith. We're going to be talking about faith, and I want to start out with faith. I think that in the church, and even in the world's concept about what we believe, that there are more misconceptions about, misunderstandings, and misappropriations of faith than ever before. I think this is the most misunderstood, misappropriated concept, idea, or aspect of Christianity. When I was um, a young girl, I had a friend named Lisa, and she went to this Bible study, and this woman um, said to my friend, who is legally blind by law, Lisa, by faith, I want you to break your glasses and never put them on again because the Lord wants to heal you. And Lisa was doubtful. She'd only been a Christian for about two years. Her her parents went to a more orthodox church and were kind of um, suspicious of Calvary Chapel. We used to be kind of a wild church, and people had a lot of suspicions about us. You know, you come into the sanctuary, and you're like, oh, no, this is substantial. Well, at one time, we were considered a little wild. Rock and roll concerts, guitars, those kind of things. So the woman took her glasses off of her, put them on the ground, and stomped on them and prayed for my friend, and my friend was not healed. And she had to go back to her house and explain the broken glasses to her parents. Now, the lady who was conducting this prayer meeting said to my friend, you don't have enough faith. If you had just had enough faith, you'd be able to see right now. This is your fault, not my fault. That, my friends, is a misconception, a misunderstanding and a misappropriation of faith. The misconceptions about faith include thinking that faith is gullibility or the ability to believe. You know, some people have an easier time believing certain things than other people. My mom used to say that she had the gift of suspicion. And I believe that's true because I think it was in her DNA. And I think I got that gene. And I think and I know that my daughters and my sons got that gene like exponentially. It is not the ability to believe. You know, I remember having questions and there would be some people that would say, just believe, just believe. And it's not a gift 
or innate talent to believe that I, I just, I just believe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I just have this gift of believing, like I have a gift of singing, which I don't, but if I did. But it's not a gifting. It's not magic. Some people treat faith like magic, like it's a power that you harness. And if I just have that faith, if I just harness this power, then I can move mountains, uproot trees, and be healed and pronounce healings. If I just believe enough or harness this power. Some people believe that it's believing that good things are going to happen. Oh, I just believe good things are going to happen. The world is getting better and better and better. I just believe in good things. Some people think that it's having all positive thoughts or only speaking positive words. I don't want to hear a negative word. I only want to hear positive. You know, don't, don't, oh, that was a negative word. You know, wash it off. Get it off of me. It's not about all positive words or positive thinking or positive thoughts. Some people think it's a totally optimistic outlook on life and the future. Like, I know we had a car wreck, but this might mean that insurance will be involved and maybe we'll get a better car. It's not looking at every scenario and seeing, you know, the, the rainbow or the sun shining on the other side of the cloud. And it is not, it is not refusing to ask the hard questions. It is not a refusal to ask the hard questions about God or the hard questions about the Bible. And it's not about, this is like a double negative. How do I say this? It's not about being absent of doubts. In fact, I believe that faith is being able to have a doubt knowing that the answer is forthcoming. Faith is the ability to ask why and know that there's an answer. I'm not afraid to ask why. I'm not afraid to have a doubt because anyway, that's not in my notes, so forget that. Moving on. Faith is misunderstood. There are some people that think, if I only believe long enough, I, I just keep believing long enough or hard enough, I can make something happen. Like I can conjure it up if I just, I'm just not believing hard enough. I just got to repeat it to myself. Some people think it's a methodology that you follow. If I just do these steps, steps to faith. It is not faith in Faith, because faith in a lie is never going to produce. And I've said this before, but it doesn't matter how hard you believe in Santa Claus, nobody is coming down your chimney. It's not about believing and believing. There are some people that think if you have a doubt or a question, you lack faith or have spoiled your chances of faith. Oh no, you had a doubt, there it goes. Now it's never going to happen because you had a doubt. Oh well, sorry, or they believe if you have a doubt, if you have a question, you'll never be able to move forward in faith. Faith is strong enough to ask the question, why? Faith should be strong enough in its substance to handle questions and deal with perplexity. 
The misappropriation of faith. Some people try to use faith to get their will or their wants to come into reality. That's not the purpose of faith. It's not what faith is about, and that's not how we apply faith. Some people think that if they have enough faith in faith, they can heal anyone, get rid of all trials, or be exempt from all trials, call down fire from heaven, or get rich. Drive a Rolls Royce. They also conclude that people who are impoverished or sick or going through hard times are there because they don't have enough faith. Not true. James tells us in his epistle, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? These are wrong ideas about faith, but what is the right concept of faith? Because we know that faith is essential. In Hebrews chapter four, the author showed us that it was a lack of faith that kept the Jews from ever entering into the promises of God, that they never fully entered them. They never were able to rest in them. They had some of the promises partially fulfilled, but there was always this insecurity in the promises of God. Why? Because they lacked faith. In Hebrews 6, 12, we're told that it's through faith we inherit all of God's promises, that we come into the fullness of God's promise. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, it's by faith we draw near to God. This is the venue to get close to God. In Hebrews 10, verse 38, we're told that the just live by faith or the righteous live by faith. Faith is an imperative. We must have it, but as believers, we need to understand. We need to be able to define it, to explain it, to tell people what it is. 10 years ago or so, I was doing a Bible study on faith. And a woman I had known for over um, 20 years, she had been in the ministry. She said to my mom after I did the Bible study, she said, you know what? I grew up in the church. I've served alongside of you in ministry. But until today, I never knew what faith was. I never had it defined to me. I did a class at the Bible College, and I love this class. It was called Anything You Want to Know About Christianity, But You Were Afraid to Ask. And I had all the students who came. I said, I want you to submit any questions, any words you don't understand. But because you're at Bible College, everyone expects you to know these things, but you really don't know them. You know, I got words like faith. I got a lot of faith. Faith, faith. What is faith? What does it mean by faith? How do I practice faith? I also got like redemption, sanctification, salvation. You know, sometimes we don't ask. We don't define. And so our understanding never grows. We need to know what faith is. There are answers to all our questions in the Lord. Without faith, salvation is impossible. Without faith, the promises of God are unreachable. Without faith, we cannot draw near to God. Without faith, we cannot have the righteousness that God requires. 
Without faith, we cannot please or appease God. Hebrews 11.6 says, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we need to know what faith is. What is this essential quality, this essential aspect? We know what it's not, but what is faith? These Hebrew believers, having learned that faith was essential because neither the law nor the priests nor the tabernacle or temple or the sacrifices or the rituals could bring them into relationship with God, needed faith. They realized that the law, the priests, the tabernacle, the sacrifices, the rituals, the old covenant could not make them righteous could not give them a right standing with God, could not secure them in the promises God intended for their lives, could not give them security in their salvation, could not forgive their sins, could not cleanse their hearts and consciences. They knew they needed this essential quality of faith. They didn't need to know what it was and whether or not they truly had it. So the author begins chapter 11 with legal terms. These are legal terms. And in Hebrews 11:1, 1, he says, now faith is. What is faith? Here it is. This is what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl and this was given to me in Sunday school, when I'd go, what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. To me, that was like, so it's a dream. What is it? But he uses words, substance and evidence. And these are terms that would have been used in a court of law when a lawyer is proving his case. Substance is the bulk of the argument. It's the base or the foundation and the sum total of the argument. It's what he, uh, a lawyer will often tell the jury, this is what I'm going to prove to you. And I'm going to use evidence to prove the reality of what I said actually happened and is the truth. He uses the word evidence, alegos which means proof or proofs. It would include eyewitness testimony. It would include obvious indications or markers of the truth, the substance of the case. It would include articles of support. You know how I loved Perry Mason. May I bring into evidence article number one? You know, and then um, I'd like to submit this into evidence. And what is evidence? It's the proofs that are building the veracity of the case. They are not making the truth happen. They are proving that the truth is truth, right? They're giving foundation to the case. They are bringing revelation to what the truth is. They are not showing what didn't happen, but what did happen. Faith is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it is the substance 
of what we believe about God. He uses the word hope for, but when the Bible uses the word hope, hope or hope, it's not like, I wish it would happen. It is our sure and certain expectation. For instance, I don't hope necessarily that my birthday will be in April because it will be. It happens every year. I used to love it. Now it's like, oh no, it's coming. It's taking me closer to the end. But my birthday is certain. So I have an expectation that my birthday's coming. I do not have an expectation that Brian will get me a present, but I have an expectation of my birthday. Brian says this on my birthday. So what did I get you? And I I usually say, you were extra generous this year. But faith, as far as substance as a noun, it is the sum total of what we believe. Therefore, our faith is here in the word of God. Because the word of God tells us what the substance of our faith is, what the argument of our faith is. Because the word of God tells us what God is like, what God has done, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what sin is or the problem of mankind, and how man can be saved. And it tells us what the future holds. So faith is the handbook. It's the substance of our faith. It's the Bible. It's the foundation of all we believe. And one of the reasons we chose this graphic, I don't know how many of you have been to Yosemite, but, but here is this granite rock that cannot be moved. In fact, it says that years ago, somehow it split and, you know, half dome. And so you just got half of the dome. Whatever happened to the other half, no one's sure. But here's half of the dome. But it's so substantial, it's granite. I mean, you try to move that thing. It, it can't be moved. It's there. And your faith is strong. It's substantial. It's rock solid. The word of God is true and it is proven. But faith is also a verb. The Greek word for faith is the word pestis. That's how it's pronounced, pestis. It is the substance of what we believe, but it is also the conviction and investment in what we believe. It is the believing and the action that accompanies true belief because we act on what we believe. Someone told me that kale is good for me. I believe them. So I started eating kale, putting it in shakes, salads. If we believe the weather report that there will be rain, we do what? We carry an umbrella. We prepare for rain, don't we? Because we believe the weatherman. We believe the report. So we act according to what we believe. In Hebrews 11, the author offers evidence of faith. And he shows the evidence of faith in the lives of ordinary people. He shows the reality of faith. 
Here is what it looks like. Here is the proof. And the proof of faith is the way it transforms ordinary people. Hebrews 11 is often called the hall of faith, or it's the red carpet of the faith Grammys or the faith Oscars, whatever you prefer. On this red carpet are ordinary women and men who simply believe the word of God, the substance of faith, and acted on it. I've just been reading Jeremiah. I just finished Jeremiah, but in chapters 36 and 44, you have these individuals who, even though Jeremiah was giving them the word of the Lord, these people chose to believe lies over the word of God. They chose to believe delusions of false prophets over the word of God. They chose to believe their fears above the word of God. They come to Jeremiah and they said, Jeremiah, look, the Babylonians, we see that everything you said came true. Everything you said about Babylon destroying Jerusalem and taking the majority of Israel as captive to Babylon, we see that it all came true. But now the circumstances have happened and Gedaliah, who Nebuchadnezzar put over the exiles who were, I'm sorry, put over those who were left in Jerusalem, the poor people, he was murdered. And now we're afraid that Nebuchadnezzar is gonna come back and kill us. So we're thinking about going to Egypt. Will you get a word for us from the Lord and tell us what we should do? And Jeremiah said, yes. So Jeremiah goes away for 10 days. He prays, he comes back to them and he says, don't go to Egypt, stay here. Nebuchadnezzar will show us favor, but we must not go to Egypt. And they said, Uh, Thank you, but we're totally afraid and we're too scared to stay, so we're going to go to Egypt. And Jeremiah said, you are listening to your fears above the word of God. We do that, don't we? We listen sometimes to our fears above the word of God. God's word is truth. And God's word speaks to us about the way of salvation. We must act on its directives. And what we see in this list as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see that the notables of Hebrews 11 are not necessarily the names and people you would expect. It is not a list of priests. Rather, it is commoners. And among them are shepherds and fathers, a wife who became a mother, construction workers, sons, a murderer, a prostitute, see, it's going to get really dicey, a farmer, a captain, boys who became men, and unnamed heroes and heroines who experienced and endured the extraordinary. The evidence of faith is the extraordinary way, simple trust and adherence in God's word works itself out in our lives. That's where the evidence is. So faith is... Now, faith is this this quality that we need. It's the substance of things hoped for, the sum total of all that we know to be true of things hoped for. Faith is the expectation of everything we believe in God's word. It is all the promises, all the principles, all the propositions, all the stories, all the people, 
and all the postulates and proverbs given to us in God's word. It is believing God's word above our circumstances, above our fears, above the misinformation given to us. Faith is also the evidence of things not seen. It is the invisible reality of the truth. The evidence of faith is seen in the lives of ordinary people. There are many wrong ideas about faith. Some say that faith is simply the ability to believe, or others may say it's having all positive thoughts and words. Faith is the ability to ask why and know that there's an answer. Faith is an essential in the believer's life. We must have it and need to understand it so we can tell people what it is. The author of Hebrews says our faith has substance. Our faith is built on something substantial and steadfast, and that is Jesus Christ and what He did for us. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our look at faith as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.